Welcome everyone to Superhero Stuff You Should Know. This is Ben Batson, and with me as per usual is... Andrew Marvel, everyone. Pleased to make your acquaintance. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> so this is kind of another wildcard episode. We have not covered this character before, but uh, it's a movie we've kind of talked here and there about, and uh, the and that's the original Captain Marvel, Shazam. So... Uh, one of our supporters, Watson, actually requested we cover the character at some point. So, Watson, here you go. Watson uh, wanted Batson. Yes. Uh, and uh, I think Josh M., one of our Patreon supporters, uh, was a fan of the character, too. So, uh, for them, this is for you. So, uh, plus, we saw this movie back when it came out in 2019. We both agree it's underrated and one of the best ones in the DCEU. So, let's talk about it. Oh, man. This is like... Every no one seemed to like the trailer, and like everybody <laughs> slept on it. Ben and I mm-hmm. went to see this together. We had a date, and uh, and uh, it was a lovely time. Thank you, Ben. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but anyway, uh, I mean, it was kind of everything you wanted from it. It was great. It's a great third act too. I mean, the only bad thing you can say about it is maybe it's a little bit too too much of an homage to Big, but mm-hmm. I mean, other than that, it's like. I couldn't really find much of a problem with it. What'd you think of it? Yeah, no, I, I liked it a lot. I do agree it's one of the best ones in the DCEU, and uh, I think it's sort of, uh, you know, it's underrated and unfairly. You know, it's it's one where people might bring up, like, oh, the tone is too comedic. I'm like, did you see the opening of this movie? This We thought we were in the wrong movie when we saw this. It was, it was definitely comedic. starting out like a horror movie. Too comedic is fucking Shazam. What do they want? It's, yeah, that too. It lends itself to being fucking com- comedic. I mean... I know Mark Bernardin thought that the kid character and Shazam were a little bit too different personality-wise, which I kind of, at least that's a that's a better note than some of the other things people said about it. But still, mm-hmm. didn't really bother me all that much. Uh, it was it was a lot of fun. I thought it was where DCEU needed mm-hmm. to be at the time. It was definitely a step in the right direction. And I guess it wasn't too underrated because it got a sequel and it's looking good so far to, to us, right? So mm-hmm. is it come out next weekend as of this podcast? Uh yeah, it does. Well the yeah, exactly. That's why we, we timed it this way too. Uh, okay. so we got this and then I've also got a script for an unmade version of this that we can cover uh afterwards so that we can kinda of have a double hitter of Shazam stuff. Cool. Awesome. So People think we just cover Batman, so uh, <laughs> it's mostly Batman. It still, it still is mostly, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's one where I, I think maybe some of the reception is due to partially DC movies' reputation at that time. You know, there were more misses than hits for DC critically, and um, maybe because it was also more known for being dark, something that was going into a more comedic tone seemed like it should have been appealing, but kind of maybe made people skeptical because they thought that was Marvel's territory. Or, you know, there's also another section of people who just want DC to be dark, and so they're just like, no, this is bullshit, uh, and stuff. Like, there's definitely a whole bunch of people from, you know, hardcore Snyderverse fans who who seem to shit on Shazam for its comedic tone and Superman's headless cameo at the end, and I'm kind of like, this is the most, one of the most entrenched in the Snyderverse, not by Snyder. You know, the Batfleck battering plays a role in the plot. It reveals right. Savannah's weakness. That's like, true. Uh, you know, the headless Superman thing is, it was an end credit scene. It didn't really matter that much. I mean, sure, it's a kind of a victim of the times, but mm-hmm. it's not great. But I mean, ultimately, it's, I don't know. 
He also would have just been in like what a one second shot, unless he. Had, one, I mean, I'm sure he would have had dialogue, but the way that it currently is is fine. All it's really missing is Cavill's face. It's just missing Cavill's face. I mean, dude, it. it I mean, they, Marvel does not have a monopoly on comedic superhero films. Yeah. It just that sounds ridiculous to me. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's stupid. There's. You know, there's a whole bunch of stuff that makes it feel like, hey, like, we really want to make sure this is part of this universe that's been built up. You know, there's the Batfleck battering. There's the newspaper alluding to Superman's resurrection from Justice League in there. Uh, Superman is in, you know, the Snyderverse suit uh, at that point. It's not Cavill, but it, like, it, it looks enough like him that uh, it doesn't take that much of a reach. It's not like they reuse the Brandon Routh Superman Returns suit or the Christopher Reeve suit. It's very much entrenched in the uh in the world that was created and uh it was even there's someone tried to do a fan cut to make it darker and more Snyderverse and people were like so you don't like WB messing with director's visions hmm but you're <laughs> fine messing with this one <laughs> so I don't know, it's, man. it's weird I think we, we shouldn't worry about them yeah much, no I, I just think the reception to this has been weird like you said like it's it's kind of just came and went yet still has a sequel so it couldn't have been that you know, much of a blip on the radar. People didn't like the suit because I don't think he had enough time to work out. And mm -hmm. so it was kind of like a skinny head coming out of this muscly suit. So, I, I mean, I, I get it, but it it's not enough to ruin the overall story yeah, of it. The suit doesn't ruin the whole movie for me. Yeah. I've, I've, yeah. I've been very vocal about how the Dark Knight suit looks like a tennis shoe, but that doesn't mean that I hated the Dark Knight just because of that suit. Obviously, yeah. you know, so it's it's not something that I would I think a lot of people should hold against it either. The suit itself yeah. is also good. Like the it's suit not, is good. It's just it's, his. It's still yeah. Yeah, it's the padding really, not the suit itself really. It's the timing. They didn't give Levi enough time to work out. Probably, mm -hmm. you know, I, it just it just takes a long time to beef up that much. He was a comedic actor before, and yeah. it looks like in Shazam too. He's a little bit more beefed up. So yeah, he looks more naturally filling that suit. Yes, yes, yes. So, uh, other thing is, out of the recent DC movies, I gotta say, I think this is the the most faithful to a single storyline. Now, I'm gonna emphasize single storyline, because most of these movies kind of take bits and pieces of different comics, you know, yeah. for better or worse. You know, BVS is clearly mixing the Dark Knight Returns and the Death of Superman. Uh, Dark Knight Rises was trying to do Dark Knight Returns, Nightfall, No Man's Land, and The Cult all at once. You know, it just picks and chooses uh, different things. The Shazam movie, however is faithful to one storyline in particular, and that is the New 52's storyline, Curse of Shazam, which was the introduction of their new take, the New 52's take uh, on this character, uh, brought in by writer Jeff Johns, artist Gary Frank, colors by Brad Anderson, and letters by Nick J. Napolitano. And it's, uh, it's a very faithful adaptation of that one single storyline. Uh, and it also might be the first adaptation of a backup story in comics. I haven't really found anybody who... Um, has found another one. But basically, Curse of Shazam was not like, you know, Shazam number one in the New 52. It was the backup story, meaning it's the story that's the end of the issue that's kind of like, it's got less pages and stuff. Yeah. Oh, it's, okay. I didn't know about that, that. Yeah, it's that I, re story. I read this, though. I just forget forgot what was back story and what, was, what wasn't. Yeah, it was. I, think I read it was the first the, trade or whatever this was at the time. Yeah, the, the trade will just collect the, the full story. But if you were okay. following... The, the issues, because I was, I was looking at this from DC Universe Infinite, finding like, okay, where's this Curse of Shazam story? It's in the Justice League uh, title. It's Justice League uh, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, and then 0, all of 0, 
then 14, 15, 16, they skip 17, then 18, 19, 20, and then all of 21. Is they skip 17? Yes. Why? Uh, as well as 12 and 13. Well, is there any reason for that? <laughs> I don't know. I think maybe the Justice League story, because again, it's a backup story, so I think the Justice League story just needed the full issue for okay. that, with the promise that the Shazam stuff would have its own issue in issue 0 and 21. Okay. That's kind of how I read it. Well, so it's... Yeah. Mostly a backup story, not completely because it had its own issues and it still obviously had its own trade that you've read uh, that we're going over. But mm-hmm. that's it's interesting because I haven't really found anything else that was like a, a movie adaptation of a backup storyline uh, in the comics. So I think that's something interesting that people have not pointed out. Um, there were many writers who tried to adapt the Shazam comics over the years. Michael Uslin, one of our great guests, uh, was one of the big proponents for trying to turn the character into a movie franchise, you know, with the whole pitch about it's big as a superhero. Yeah. Uh, and so one of those included William Goldman, who's regarded as one of the greatest screenwriters of all time, wrote Princess Bride, All the President's Men. Uh, his script is the one that I've been going through that we'll cover next time. Uh, but uh, the man who cracked the code, apparently, was the screenwriter for this movie, whose name is Henry Gaiden. Uh, with story by credit to Gaiden and Darren Lemke. Uh, Henry Gaiden is also credited for writing the second movie, Fury of the Gods, which I think is promising that they carried him over. Um, Co-writing with Chris Morgan from the the Fast and the Furious movies, so maybe that's less promising. He's doing the action sequences. (laughs) Yeah, probably. Maybe, uh, I would think. Yeah, Uh, but I think that's an important factor to carry over the screenwriter. For example, none of the Wonder Woman you know, the first Wonder Woman writers carried over into Wonder Woman 2, not Wonder Woman 1984, and it shows. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, 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 yeah, that shows. That, checks, that tracks. Yeah, yeah. And it is, that was co-written by Jeff Johns, who wrote the original comic for this one. But, I mean, a lot of people have pointed out, and he seems to write good comics. Scripts, maybe not so much. So, uh, yeah. so thankfully, Gaiden was the one who did this, and I think in going through the comparisons, I went through the comic and I went through the movie, um, around Christmas time, because it is set during Christmas. Uh, and it is one where I looked and I'm like, you know what? I think Gaiden made all the right decisions and improvements on the comics. And we'll see what uh, you know you think and, and what the guys think when they, they listen and watch this. But I personally think that he made some improvements over what was there uh, into something that was already kind of a solid way to reimagine the universe from what limited knowledge I have on this world. But uh, let's go into it. So... Uh, the first thing, uh, the biggest thing I want to point out from reading the comic and watching the movie is that I think Billy is just a lot more likable in the movie compared to the comic. Mm. In the comic, he's kind of a little shit. Right. So, uh, I mean, in in the movie, he's flawed. He definitely has moments where he's, I mean, just his opening is acting like an innocent kid in order to con, you know, the police into trapping them so that he can hack into their police computer in the, in the van, uh, I mean, the police car, to find his mom. It's something where it's kind of like you're automatically introducing his goal, which is to find his mom, his biological mom, uh, through all this. So he doesn't have to go through this foster system that he doesn't like. In the comic, however, it's like he puts on the act of the innocent kid, the traditional Billy Batson from the comic, in order to con this foster family into adopting him, as we see here (laughs) in the comics, where he's just like, what a couple of idiots (laughs) as they walk out. I forgot about that. Yeah. This, yeah. It's it's different, and I think they made the right decision to be like, you know what, we can still have that that uh, beat, but directed in a different way. 
where he like he does that to trick the cops, but he has a reason to trick the cops, and it's it sort of sets up what his goal is for the movie. So, uh, again, points to uh, Gaiden on this one, I think. Yeah. Uh, in both cases, Billy's foster parents were fosters themselves, and so have taken it on themselves to adopt a lot of kids. So both stories have the full cast of siblings, Freddie Freeman, Mary, Eugene, Pedro, and Darla, uh, as we see in both here. Uh, they stayed pretty true to the ethnicities of everybody as well, which is cool. Uh, in both, Billy disappoints little Darla and brings up that they're not real brother and sister, which upsets her. He's a lot more of a jerk about it in the comic, too. He just flat out tells them, like, none of them are his real family, and he makes her cry in the comic. Whereas <laughs> in the movie, it's just a lot more subtle. He kind of just casually says, oh, they're not really brother and sister, and she kind of just walks off disappointed. And I'm like, mm-hmm. again, points to Gaiden there, because it's like they... I feel like this is a trend, too, of John's where, like, when he's in charge of an origin, he tries to make the characters as far away as possible from where they're supposed to be so that the arc is for them to sort of catch up to the perceived version of them. He kind of does this with some of the the uh, other variations that he's done. He's kind of done it as well a little bit with Batman and Batman Earth 1. So you can kind of see uh, some of the seeds here where he's just like, you know what, Billy's just a jerk in this. And he sort of grows to become... Uh, more of a, a good kid throughout the story. And I think the movie was like, okay, but we still need to make him likable enough. So they, they made changes to make that less severe of a thing. Uh, let's see. In the uh, in the movie, Billy does try to steal Freddy's Superman bullet. Uh, while in the comic, it's Freddy who actually steals Billy's wallet. So it's kind of a small thing about the kids stealing from each other. Uh, but one of the things that they really stay true to is Savannah. So... Uh, Savannah in the New 52, they beefed him up a little bit. He looks a little bit more like Lex Luthor with scars. Uh, the traditional Savannah is like more, he almost looks like a human rat. You know, he's just very <laughs> thin and frail. He's like Splinter? Uh, oh, not not like <laughs> <laughs> Not quite that rat-like. I know Ninja Turtles is on your mind because of the new, the new one. Oh, man, uh, that's but... all I think about. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, he, he's a lot more uh, like thinned out and frail looking uh, in okay. the traditional comics, but uh, they kind of made him made him look different in the Christmas Shazam story, and <laughs> so they cast Mark Strong because he looks closer to that version of Doctor Savannah than he does in the um, than in the traditional stuff. So, and he finally got DC redemption <laughs> after from, Sinestro. After Sinestro, after being done dirty, yes. Though, you know, who knows if they're going to bring him back as, uh, you know, as Savannah. At least he, he got to be Savannah for a whole movie. And... At, at the time of this podcast, it's, this is a total yeah. mystery because <laughs> the, 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 these, the Shazam movies, like, like kind of work, man. Like, there's not, like, uh, when, we haven't seen the second one yet as of this recording, but right. uh, it's, you know, it's like, what what do you do? We're waiting to see with bated breath to see if Gunn's mm-hmm. going to bring this whole family over wholesale or not <laughs> like yeah what's 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 levi gonna do you know <laughs> and the rest of the cast mm-hmm. yeah there is also a factor too where the kids are growing up the kids are not getting any younger and this is a whole already, deal right yeah yeah and there's already a thing where like mary like mary's character is already being played by the actress who played the kid version in the first one She's okay. playing both. She's playing both the kid and the adult version. And I'm just like, well, at a certain point, Asher Angel is not going to be a, a believable minor. So, right. like, what does that do for 
for what's going on. Like, does it even make sense for Levi to stay in the role at that point from that type of perspective, even though he is the face of, of the Shazam franchise? You know, it's um, fine. They would it's have to explain like, that. We got, we got two. We're going to have two good ones, and that's more mm-hmm. than most people can ask for. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> two. more than likely we're going to have two yeah. good Shazam movies, and then we'll they'll, they'll reboot it. Sucks for Levi, but he's probably a millionaire, and we'll move on. You know, don't feel too yeah. bad for Levi and anybody else, but... Uh, you know, yeah, it's just, it would, like, Shazam is supposed to be uh, Superman-level strength and abilities mm-hmm. for the most part. So you you have, like, a whole family of Superman-level people in a world where Superman is supposed to be debuting, kind of, sort of, in the new Gunverse. So, I, I don't know, man, I can kind of see them kind of... Not Taking doing Shazam for a little by a little while, you know. They don't really have yeah, to do. I, I like. Sh- I love. I, I really like these movies, but I'm. Mm-hmm. Just, I, I'm just saying they don't really have to jump to rebooting this either. Really quickly. You That's know? true. We. I think there's also a factor too when we noticed the DCU slate that got announced. None of them involved Shazam, The Flash, Blue Beetle, or Aquaman. It didn't yeah, involve any of the characters from this year, and I think a lot of it. The only thing that kind of did was the Supergirl announcement. Supergirl mm-hmm. could, but even then, like it's already supposed to be like an alternate unit. It's Flashpoint Supergirl in the uh, in the movie, so like they still kind of have an out uh, on that yeah. anyway. So it it's it just screams to me that they're like, all right, let's just see how the new movies do. And then the reception of the new movies will determine the futures for those specific franchises, for what happens to Aquaman, for what happens to The Flash, for what happens to, you know, Shazam. So, like, if Shazam, Fury of the Gods is suddenly, like, a major, major hit, then, like, they might have to consider stuff. But if it's kind of just a blip on the radar, it doesn't do that great, then, like, they could just hold off on Shazam for a long time and then reboot it years down the line. Who knows? I just, look, I'm going to see it open. We're seeing it opening weekend. I But yeah. at the same time, I don't know if it's going to be, like, some huge hit either i, I will, doubt i mean maybe i don't I would, think it's gonna I'd love be for it. i'd love for it to be a surprise hit but i just yeah. realistically i, I don't yeah. know i think i think realistically the flash and aquaman 2 are going to be bigger hits and then this one oh, yeah. and blue beetle will be like the smaller ones that like might still get some good critical acclaim but aren't going to be like smashing the box office i mean you know blue beetle first latino superhero right so like that's going to bring in lots of people just on that alone, hopefully, you know? So, Mm -hmm. and it's cool that DC was the first to do that, (laughs) you know, like Marvel's kind of done a lot of other firsts, but so it'll be, it'll be really cool to see blue beetle, but yeah, but uh, I don't know. Yeah. I, I mean, dude, Shazam two is looking great so far. We're actually really dating this episode, (laughs) not making it ever. It's probably my fault. I'm sorry. Usually we try to make the episodes real evergreen, meaning, you know, don't talk about anything too current, <laughs> but uh, at least in the in the main show. Well, it's hard not to when it's related yeah. to like a new new thing. Like some of yeah. our episodes in the lead up to the Batman probably has a bunch of stuff where we speculate what's going to happen in the movie. But oh, that's true. Now we dated. did that a lot. We yeah. did that a lot. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So it, it's it's kind of tough not to, as opposed to when we cover you know Superman three treatment. It's you know it we would have to make an extra effort to really date that. So uh-huh. yeah, uh, it's it just comes with the territory. I think when we're talking about stuff that's like going to have a new installment in like a few weeks, or yes. in this case next weekend. So it's uh, tough. Yeah, it's it is for sure. But in this one, uh, for Savannah, 
he is going after people who were contacted by the wizard Shazam. However, his motivations are different in the comic versus in the movie. In the movie, he's go he's kind of just he's basically pursuing the idea that he was at one point considered to be a champion, uh, to become a champion for the wizard by the wizard, uh, but is rejected because he was tempted by the seven deadly sins, as were a whole bunch of all these other people. Uh, in the comic, however, he is given kind of a vague motivation where he needs the power in order to save his family, which is interesting, considering that in the movie he hates his family and even just kills off his brother and father later in the movie. So right. uh, very, very different. Uh, but I, I do like that they fleshed him out more, especially, I mean, they had to, um, as we're going to get further into the reasons why. One of the big reasons why is coming up soon. But uh, Savannah does get the scar and the magic eye in both versions. In the movie, he breaks into the wizards, you know, Rock of Eternity, frees the seven deadly sins, and they kind of all, he becomes their host in that eye. So that was their explanation for it. In the comics, he gets it because he breaks into Black Adam's tomb. Yes, Black Adam is in this comic because he was the other villain of Curse of Shazam, who was obviously had to be cut uh, from it when Dwayne Johnson is on the record saying that he asked for it to be separate movies. Uh, people forget he is a producer on the first Shazam movie. Uh, oh, Seven yeah. Bucks production is part of the production. He's a producer so he just have... so he could distance himself. <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> just so he could be his own Black Adam. Uh, it's thing, like but... Scorsese being a producer on the Joker just so they, he doesn't <laughs> sue him. <laughs> like, there's all kinds of reasons true. to be a producer, my friends. Yes. Uh, but... Uh, yeah, I mean, look, this, this is a really good um, pairing here. Good job, Dan. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I, like we all know on this podcast, this is kind of a mistake to keep these so separate. But we all know that, so we're going to move on. Yes. Uh, the the movie, the comic was sort of influencing the movie, too, because uh, the Black Adam movie, uh, not just the Shazam movie, because the comic from Jeff Johns does have the whole bait and switch of making us think that Black Adam was also a magical persona of a child from centuries ago, when the twist is that, no, it wasn't the child at all. It was an adult relative. In the mm -hmm. movie, the Black Adam movie, uh, it was actually Black Adam was the father, and his son gave him the powers before he died in order to save his life. And when the son was killed, he took it upon himself to use those powers for vengeance. In the comic, it's even darker than that, where he was the uncle who ended up killing his own nephew to gain the nephew's powers uh, in order to become Black Adam. It's kind of obvious in terms of why they made changes for the movie, because I think if the moment they're just like, yeah, he killed his own nephew. This guy killed a kid. He's not an anti-hero anymore. He's just a flat-out villain uh, mm -hmm. in, the, in the movie, whereas in the comics, he's supposed to be a villain who kind of maybe becomes a little bit more of an anti-hero later on. So uh, that's that's kind of the big difference between the Curse of Shazam comic and the Black Adam movie. But yeah, they had to make up for Black Adam's absence in the movie, which is why Savannah in the Shazam movie ha gets superpowers. He's not really known for having superpowers, at least as far as I know, in the comics, but they decide, like, let's give him the superpowers too to fight Billy and remain strong. Whereas in the comic, um, they kind of do a thing where his body is not able to host the magic very well, so he starts becoming more and more frail, like the Doctor Savannah in the traditional comics. Oh, okay. So, yeah, that's cool. So that's it. it basically, Savannah is making up for the absence of Black Adam, and that's why it's they like gave a, him powers. Like a go Gollum effect with the ring in some way. Yeah, yeah, and so that's yeah. kind of a cool explanation for why he ends up looking like that later on. So weak will, indeed. 
Seven Deadly Sins uh, are imprisoned but end up getting released. In the comics, they were imprisoned in human form, and Black Adam releases them from their human hosts. Whereas in the movie, it's kind of simplified that they've just been stuck in those statues in the Rock of Eternity, and Savannah, uh, you know, breaks them out and they hide out in his eye. Kind of gross, but it yeah. works for the movie. Uh, so there is also allusions to Takitani in both the comic and the movie. So Takitani, my God, if they bring in Takitani for the second movie, I would love it. But Takitani is a talking tiger. <laughs> character that just go all out dude that's what people want right i mean not, not many people know shazam as much as the other heroes but it's always mm -hmm. cool when they really lean into it you know yeah so and there is uh i just i i did a sort of read uh i i revisited final crisis and in that it's it's takitani versus kalabak from apocalypse at oh one point oh my god it's amazing um Incredible. and he wins so well, it's amazing course. yes uh but yeah it, they they don't have that extreme of a version yet of takitani in either of this the comic version uh the version that they have is a photograph that billy has the only one that he has of his biological parents and in the background is the tiger that he calls talking uh takitani uh and in the movie when uh billy has a memory of trying to, you know, basically his last memory of his mom, it was to help win a plush tiger over at the uh, Christmas festival. So that's kind of the allusions to uh, Talking Tawny. Mm -hmm. um, but one of the big things that Henry Gaiden adds into the movie that is not in the comic is the entire subplot of Billy trying to find his real mom and the twist that it turned out that she didn't lose him. She abandoned him there. At the yeah. Christmas festival. Yeah. Uh, I think some people have brought up like that is, that makes her the worst villain in the DCEU uh, for, <laughs> for all this. Uh, and of course, uh, yeah. you can see, you can see why, but it's, there's also kind of a cool full circle aspect to this in the movie where Billy loses his mom. He loses his family at the Christmas festival. And at the end, the confrontation with Savannah is at the Christmas festival festival where he turns his foster family into superheroes and sort of regains his own family there. Uh, again, that's all the movie. That's not in the comic. So pretty cool stuff that they add here. They did well. Nice. Gaten and yeah. uh, David Sandberg. Yeah. Uh, so both movies kind of have the aspect of the bullies to push Billy into meeting the wizard at some point. So uh, Billy sort of looks out for the foster kids, even though he doesn't really get along with them that well yet, uh, and defends them from bullies because he just doesn't like bullies. Uh, in the movie, Billy ends up running off to the subway from the bullies after defending the others, only for the wizard to find him. In the comic, he does have the fight with them, but it's a lot later on where he decides to pull a prank on them, because remember, the Billy in the comic is a little bit more of a piece of shit. And uh, <laughs> he, he does uh, pull the prank on them, and he runs off, but it's sort of to distract them because he wants to protect Freddy because Freddy can't run due to the crutches. So it's like he's a piece of shit, but he's got a heart of gold and he's not a complete piece of shit. It's kind of the um, right. It's not kind of the quite a, version. Not yeah. quite a Damian Wayne type. <laughs> not yet. He doesn't, and he doesn't have the excuse of being raised by the League of Assassins either. Yeah. So that's I, I like the the changes that they made into the the movie. Also, uh, in the comic, we do meet the bully's father, who is some sort of prominent businessman type who, like, donates money to the school and has influence, and uh, he does end up getting possessed by the seven deadly sins later on in, in the comic, sort of like Savannah. But 
that character's not in the movie. Uh, the comic does carry over the race change of the wizard. So the wizard in the New 52 uh, is black, whereas beforehand the wizard was white and basically just looked like a version of Merlin or Gandalf. Uh, mm-hmm. But this one, he's he's a black wizard, and um, they cast Jaiman Honsu uh, for this, and uh, he got to pull double duty that year because he was also, uh, well, I guess the year after, he was also in Aquaman for a bit. So he's just in everything. And he was but, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, right? That too. Who? Who? Yeah. <laughs> That's him. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets one more in the roster outside of, I mean, obviously he was in Black Adam. He's going to be in Shazam too, but I wouldn't be surprised if he shows up in some other role at some point uh, that's comic book related. You mean in the Gunverse or? But, I mean, if in the Gunverse, if they carry over this stuff, he could still be the wizard. Uh, but if not, then he might probably play another role, especially because he's worked with Gun in Guardians. So I wouldn't that's be surprised. True. Yeah, he's got, <laughs> he's got something. He's yeah. got, uh, what do you call it, job security. Yeah, for sure. Uh, both stories, Billy tells the wizard that uh, good people, the people who the wizard's looking for, they don't exist. But the wizard has to give his powers to Billy out of necessity. It's kind of like, well, you're the only one I've got left because the world needs a champion right now. We're desperate. Uh, that's because the seven deadly sins have been freed. So uh, it's it's kind of like, well, push comes to shove. I guess you're my choice. It's it's kind of different from the traditional comic where like Billy's just this kid with a heart of gold. I guess I'll give it to him. Like he was more <laughs> chosen. It was more like, eh, this kid, fine. <laughs> you know, that's kind of the we'll see how you do. Attitude. Hopefully, yeah. it doesn't kill you. <laughs> uh, also interesting to note that in the movie they say that Black Adam, uh, like when he gained the power, he released the seven deadly sins on the world, killing the other wizards as well as killing millions of humans and erasing civilizations. This was not covered in the actual Black Adam movie. It just said that he took out his vengeance on that uh, that Pharaoh guy, and that was about it. So they didn't really carry that part over. Maybe they could have explained it later, but it doesn't look like we're going to see Black Adam again, at least not for a while, and not <laughs> doing Johnson version. So I don't think uh, I think that's just going to be filed away as a continuity thing that they'll never patch up. Mm, it's fine. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, <laughs> that was probably a one and done situation. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, now that uh, Billy has powers, I think it's time for us to take a quick break. All right, everybody. So this month's uh, charity that we are trying to support here on this here podcast is the Christopher Reeve Foundation. Is that what it's called, Ben? Mm-hmm. Uh, full name is the Christopher and Dana Reeve Foundation. But yes, we couldn't be superhero stuff you should know without at least asking people to donate to the Christopher and Dana Reeve Foundation. This is the work that Reeve was doing in the last years of his life as the real-life Superman to help find cures for those living with paralysis. So you can help them change uh, their lives and the lives of millions at ChristopherReeve.org. Also, I might add a good reminder that it's Reeve and not Reeves uh, when you type it in. If you type in ChristopherReeves.org, you're not going to find this. So it's ChristopherReeve.org. Donate what you can and be a Superman or Superwoman. One, one singular Reeve, everybody. And you yes. know, we, a lot of hero worship from us and everybody that watches and listens to this show. And uh, it just kind of feels like it's time to put your money where your mouth is kind of a little bit. I mean, mm-hmm. if you can, of course. But uh, this is uh, a way to be inspired by comics, I think, personally. So, mm-hmm. And about from heroes themselves. So, uh, yeah, if you could donate, that'd be great. 
just wanted to announce that I have a new podcast called Gaming Gaiden. It's about Japanese to English translation. In this first season, it will be 10 episodes each season. If you saw the ranking, every Superman video game two-parter we did here on Superhero Stuff You Should Know, you have seen Mike before. So yes, if you like video games, if you've been interested in Japanese ever, we're going to be talking a lot about just Japan in general. Japanese cultural differences as well and we also are going to have a lot of talk about 90s video game magazines such as Electronic Gaming Monthly aka EGM so stay tuned for Gaming Gaiden Podcast it's already out now y'all I wanted to tell you about the Patreon.com Patreon.com slash Superhero Stuff Pod and on that you get the $1 tier uh, you can join the $1 tier, which gets you the shout-out on the board, and either visually or orally, or both, at times. Uh, <laughs> we want to do the oral, uh, for the most part, uh, for newer people. Uh, and then the $5 tier gets you a whole new show. Uh, this show is every Monday, as you well know, and it's free on YouTube and the What's Nots. And... Um, <laughs> The uh, Patreon show is every Friday at the $5 tier mark. You can, if you want, binge us for five mm -hmm. bucks. And uh, it's like 150 episodes, uh, almost 150 at this point. And you can, uh, you know, listen to all that content there. Even the stuff that's been released from the vault, none of that has been the full episode as well. So mm -hmm. <laughs> trying to keep our uh, $5 tier people happy. <laughs> so... Um, mm -hmm. So, but yeah, check that out. And then our $10 tier gets you all of the above. Plus, a uh, it gets you a monthly meetup show where you meet up with us monthly. And it's like a Zoom-like call. And we have a topic at hand or sometimes videos we react to and things like that. And that's at the $10 tier. Um, every tier that you get, like the $5 tier, gets you the $1 tier benefits and the $10 tier gets you the $5 tier benefits and the $1 tier benefits. So mm -hmm. check that out at patreon.com slash superhero stuff pod. We also got the merch, which is Redbubble, superhousepod.redbubble.com and on Threadless, superhero stuff pod.threadless.com. Get your Ben Man and Indeed Wizard mug, shirt, shower curtains and all the rest artwork by Stephen Santa Cruz. And please send us some audio at superhousepodcast at gmail.com. A bumper would be great. You too can be part of the show. I'm Thunderwolf Drew on Instagram and Twitter. Thunderwolf lives as my other YouTube channel, one of my many YouTube channels. And I have uh, also thunderwolfdrew.com. has my whole portfolio in one place except for amanorecon.com. That's A-M-A-N-O-R-E-C-O-N.com. And... That is uh, an original idea that some friends and I are doing where it is R-rated um, Power Rangers meets Stranger Things. That's the quick pitch, and it is not a fan film, original idea. We have a pitch video right now on YouTube and on the Indiegogo page. We're campaigning right now as of this, uh, when this episode premieres. And this poster art is by ZacharyJacksonBrownArt.com. And check it out. Please support us on the campaign. And more from that soon. 
Um, but yes, it's uh, it's bloody. And um, if you like that kind of thing, check us out. And that's it, Ben. Follow us on social media on Twitter at Superhouse Pod, Instagram Superhero Stuff Pod, where we have some different supplemental stuff. We even I've even analyzed the martial arts stance that the Keaton ornament from the Flash is in, so you can check that out on our Instagram Superhero Stuff Pod, uh, TikTok Superhero Stuff Pod, Vero Superhero Stuff Pod. My website is BenWanWriter.com, where you can read a whole bunch of spec scripts, including Gotham Vampire Elementary, The Death of Sherlock Holmes. And curb your enthusiasm, Disneyland. If you're fans of any of those shows, check them out and let us know what you think. My YouTube channel is in the description below, including Doctor Who, The Ronin of Time, an audio drama I write, edit, and narrate with the Eighth Doctor, meaning Miyamoto Musashi. My personal Instagram is Ben Juan Ryder. If you like cats, my son Alfie, my cat, is at Alfie Pennyworth Cat. And if you have an Alfie yourself, then you can get the Whisker Box, the only cat box with a crazy cat lady and gent and you can even check out another page on that website superherostuffpod.com slash show notes that includes uh various show notes for each of our episodes links to the scripts that we review if they're available online amazon links to the stuff we've been talking about including you know brian levant's book that he plugged for us my life and toys so check that out at superherostuffpod.com slash show notes lord have mercy y'all do you like hounds do you enjoy pooches do you find yourself enjoying time spent with that of canines? Talking about dogs, y'all. As you might have heard, Superhero Stuff You Should Know has now teamed up with BarkBox. For every month, you get a box for your special canine. Pooches. Or hounds. That's right. One free extra month if you go to BarkBox.com slash SuperheroStuffPod. Follow the link and you'll get a free extra month valued at $35 and valid for all multi-length plans. So get the BarkBox for your hound, for your pooch, for your canine. Your doggo will thank you. Well, I'm going to watch Yellowstone and go to sleep. And we're back. Billy Batson has powers, and he's going to fuck around with them for a while. So that's where we're at in the story. <laughs> that's what I would do. And the movie. Yeah. It's it's one of the most relatable things <laughs> in the movie uh, at that point. So it's, uh, and I think it's it's well done with that sort of, that montage. And it really plays along with the the uh the idea the premise of like what if a kid had superpowers like he probably wouldn't immediately be like let me just seek out and fight crime so no uh, way dude you yeah. like i mean i would fly to like i don't know somewhere and hopefully don't get shot down by some local <laughs> by go- government but like like a weather balloon but um <laughs> but, but yeah, exactly yeah, yeah definitely i would fly yeah. some somewhere first yeah get some, mess get around some food. with it yeah, and it also fulfills the the exposition in a fun way of like, okay, what powers do you have, Billy, now that you have all this stuff? Right. Uh, so, and both he does stop a crime. He saves a woman from getting mugged, but the execution is very different. In the comic, it is a standard mugging, and the girl kind of asks, like, how can I repay you? Only for Billy to ask, like, you know, basically how much money she has on her because he wants to make money off of this. Kind of funny. <laughs> <laughs> I got to buy a In video the, game. Uh, yeah. In the, uh, the movie, Billy goes there and he realizes that the person who screamed was actually the mugger because the woman used pepper spray on him. So they kind of do even more subversion here where like she wasn't even in danger, that type of thing. He kind of just showed up um, and she only gives him money so that she can get away from them. So that's kind okay. of their change. This is the modern, modern superhero storytelling going on here. Yeah, exactly. 
he also accidentally hits the mugger too hard in uh, in both of the stories, which they get, it's made the main connection between the two outside of just the mugging scenario and the money. So okay. that's pretty cool. Uh, but yeah, both have Billy and Freddy messing around with his powers, getting beers, as you can see here, <laughs> uh, as well as uh, using his powers to uh, get a ton of money out of ATMs. That's from the comic. Uh, and uh, in both stories, Freddy also gives him an oversized coat uh, to sort of help him sort of be more inconspicuous and cover his costume in the comic. In the movie, it was to po- pose as Freddy's dad to help him cut class. Uh, but yeah, as you can oh, yeah. see, they just carry over that, that, that whole idea. And uh, yeah, you can really tell uh, Levi is deliberately uh, looking ridiculous in that oversized coat uh, that we see here on the right. It fits him a little more snugly in the comic, but I think uh, they were mm-hmm. going for the bigger gag in the in the movie anyway. So that's outside of the fact that uh, they mess around. We also see that Billy destroys the bully's b- truck in both stories. So in the comic, he is demonstrating his powers to Freddy, and he lifts it over his head and then just drops it and, and ruins it. And then uh, the car itself belongs to the bully's father, who, again, is not a character in, in the movie, but he is in the comic. And uh, as you can see here, he shows up and yells about his car as uh, Freddy and Billy run off and laugh about it. In the uh, in the movie, it's simply kind of just a revenge thing at school. The bullies show up, their truck disappears, and then, you know, Billy just drops it down in front of them. Uh, so uh, a little different, but still kind of cool. But in both stories, there is a kind of a thing where there's a temptation from Billy's perspective to just no longer be a kid anymore. He's like, well, why do I got to go to school anymore? I can, I'm already technically an adult. I look like an adult. I can just go anywhere and do shit. Right. Uh, which I think is a cool thing to explore because that is a, a realistic or relatable temptation at that point, especially if you, you hate school, you hate going there, uh, you also you know have your own shit that you want to do that doesn't have anything to do with it. Like It, it made sense. Um, in the movie, it sort of takes a while to lead up to that point. Whereas in the comics, again, Billy's a lot more unlikable. He pretty much immediately decides to abandon Freddy and all the other kids and just be an adult from now on, on the first night that he has powers. (laughs) So, again, I think Gaiden is making all the right uh, improvements in the movie. Uh, This is Princess Bride uh, royalty right here, huh? Well, that was was William Goldman. Henry Gaiden is... uh, Oh, he did Fast and Furious? Uh, Earth to Echo. <laughs> Earth to Echo is his previous credits. Um, uh, well, not okay, really a lot is, of other this stuff. This is his better credit then. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see. There's Someone Inside Your House was another one that he did in 2021. Um, but yeah, not not a ton of credits compared to William Goldman. But I, you know, to be fair, he's an up-and-comer. Uh, and Goldman, so Goldman had no pass on this? On this one? Not this one. This was okay. after Goldman. Okay, got it, uh, got it. So, yeah, I think Goldman's was even... Yeah, Goldman's was before the New 52 entirely. So he he was going off of a different storyline entirely for his Shazam script because his okay. script was in, like, 2003, I think. Uh, and the this storyline is, like, 2011. So okay. uh, he wouldn't have been able to adapt it. He was going more for the traditional take on stuff, whereas by the time they greenlit this version, it was like, all right, let's base it in the New 52, which they were doing a lot of. They were basing a lot of their DC movies off of Jeff John's stuff. Just look at, you know, Justice League is very much basing it off of the Justice League origin story with 
you know, Cyborg being added to the roster and, and Darkseid and trying to invade and all the mother boxes and stuff. Je- Jeff Johns is on fire at this time, man. I mean, mm-hmm. at, during Noon 52, probably even more than now. and uh, A lot more than now, yeah. I'd say. Yeah, a lot, because he, he had those... Like, I don't know for sure, but wasn't there some allegations of some sort against Johns? Yep. And we're yep. not going to get too into that at the moment. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's probably just laying low since then. But uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. low enough, anyway. Mm-hmm. But, um, God, dude, I got to tell you, the only thing I remember from this fucking comic, I, I know I read the first trade. I just mm-hmm. remember the bully scene. <laughs> I don't know why that scene stuck out to me. It was just... But, like, I know I read this, but I read it, like, as soon as it came out, I just forgot. And I feel like this is when Zach would make fun of me. Like, you you forget everything. <laughs> uh, well, I think also, too, to to be fair, dude, I've read this twice. The second time around, I was like, oh, yeah, this happens. Like, it's, I think part of it is that it blends so much with the movie. Yeah. That it's... Like, it's almost like I had to really take notes between the two because I, I had forgotten the distinct differences outside of just the general big one. The big ones being Billy's more likable and Black Adam's in the comic. Mm-hmm. Like, those are the big ones. But other than that, I'm like, okay, which one happens in this or that? Like, even uh, I'll, just to give some behind the scenes type of stuff, like, I even had a note to Dan about something that comes up later. And Dan was like, that doesn't happen in the comic. And I was like, whoops. <laughs> Oh, shit. Okay. So that's just how much the storylines are blended. But again, I think some of it is, as well comes from how this is very faithful to a single storyline as opposed to trying to adapt multiple different storylines into its own storyline, as we saw with so many of these other movies in general. Like, very rarely are they trying to adapt just one, and very rarely do they kind of just stick to that one. Even, like, Infinity War isn't really that much of an adaptation of the Infinity Gauntlet, or at least not that directly of an adaptation. It no, because they don't have a, they don't have death in it, and they don't have nope. I mean, they they hadn't introduced Silver Surfer yet, which is a huge, pretty pretty big part yeah. of Infinity or Gauntlet, Adam right? Adam yeah, Warlock, all yeah. that. So, like, I mean, I th- always thought that was pretty cool how they made this. This is on a sidebar at this point, but just real quick, like mm-hmm. they they made Thanos's motivation really human, like just trying to impress a girl when it's like. It's this big, <laughs> it's this big, you know, cosmic thing, and oftentimes that those kind of stories can be a little bit less personable just because of the grand cosmic scale of it. But mm-hmm. the way they write that story is they bring it back around to just trying to impress a girl, which the girl mm-hmm. happens to be death, which is a wild uh, notion. But uh, I always I thought that was pretty cool. I think that would have been interesting if they had done that in the in the movie. But the way they did the mm-hmm. movie was good too. Yeah. Uh, but I was think I was thinking too of like just now, a lot of the Shazam stories are probably so wacky that it might have been. I mean, they could have done it, but they probably wanted to like not use that much of a budget. Like they they probably didn't want to go into space, for example. You know, and I'm per- and there's probably a lot of Shazam stories in space, and mm-hmm. well, know, also I, I'm, yeah. his one of his big villains is Mister Mind, who yeah. is not <laughs> like you you kind you, that's not a first villain. Uh, first movie villain like you need yeah. a lot to buy into that like i get like savannah i'm like okay it's the it's a mad scientist yeah all right yeah. i get it black adam he's the evil version of shazam all right i get it mr mine this bug 
who's also a power, you know, who talks and is a genius. Like you need a lot more uh, Dude, of a buy-in at that just point. Do, need... Just do it, man. Have that and talking Tawny, yeah. talkie Tawny in there. Yeah. Been... <laughs> but I think you need to build up to it. I, I like. I'm all for Mr. Mind showing up, and he does at the end of end of uh, the the first movie here in Shazam 2019. But like, I, I get why he was not the first choice for the villain of the very first movie. Oh, I, I get it too. I, yeah. I mean, they did they did a great job with what they. Uh... Had. Yeah. And it did kind of feel, I do remember this, it did kind of feel like Jeff Johns was trying to kind of tee up a, a movie with that run, you yeah. know? Yeah, a lot of the a lot of the things that he wrote around this time of the new, you know, in the new Fifty Two or even Batman Earth One just kind of felt like, well, if you had me adapt this into a movie, how would I do it uh, and make my own stuff? So it's it's kind of an adaptation of something that was already geared as an adaptation. Uh, in some ways, so if it was like it the works. Marvel Marvel Ultimates became yeah. MCU. Basically, that's mm-hmm. how this was reading at the time. It was like, yeah. oh shit, J- Jeff Johns wants to make a Shazam movie, <laughs> and, it, and it actually did happen. Mm-hmm. So, so there's that. Yeah, uh, there's also the aspect that I like about the bullies too is that it's it makes sense with the premise. It's bringing that to life. Where like, of course, a kid with superpowers would would want to take them out. He, he would want to use his powers on the bullies who, you know, were picking on him and his friends at school. Like, that's the first choice. He wouldn't really care about stopping street crime. He would care about the people picking on him at school. 100%, so, dude. There's no way you would be a crime fighter at first. Yeah. Absolutely no way. You, yeah. I, I did like that that turn as well. But I do remember, didn't Shazam and Aquaman come out pretty close to each other? And they both had, like, these pretty prominent bully scenes in the trailer? Uh, yeah. Yeah, so Aquaman. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Aquaman was twenty end of twenty eighteen, I think. Uh, it yes. was twenty eighteen. So, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I think also too, it's it's part of like, isn't that part of Arthur's backstory just in the beginning, as opposed to like Billy's just a kid throughout. So maybe that's that that's, that's a that's difference. How they yeah, posted off of that. Yeah, it's yeah. different. Yeah, yeah. But again, um, I haven't looked too much into it, but pretty sure Aquaman twenty eighteen also goes off of a lot of Jeff John stuff too. So. It does. It's the trench and all that shit. It was, but that, yeah, the but trench. The thing, yeah, that was again when Jeff Johns is really on fire because that there was like little news blurbs at the time. They were like, "You read that right? Aquaman is the number one selling comic." Mm. Like it that 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 storyline, the first two trades or something were really just selling off the goddamn shelf. And I read I read those two, and yeah, it was just a lot of great stuff in there, man. It was a really good re-envisioning of Aquaman, for sure. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I think uh, the the other big thing, too, is that because of the CW Flash show and because they're carrying this over into the whole Flashpoint stuff, uh, we it's kind of become more and more common knowledge that you know Barry Allen's mother was killed when he was a kid, and you know Flashpoint is when he goes back in time to prevent that from happening. Yeah, all of that is Jeff Johns. Like the whole like my mother was dead, my yes. mother was killed when I was young. Like that didn't show up until Jeff Johns. That yeah. was not in the, that was not in the eighties. That's why that's not in the Jim Strain script we went over. That was not in, that wasn't in. If you watch the nineteen nineties Flash, his both of his parents are still alive, in that. Yes. Their, their characters in that movie in the, in that TV show. So it just goes to show how influential Johns was. Definitely, we take that for granted too. In 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 some cases where. Even when going through that 1980s script from Strait, I'm just like, oh, yeah, that, that wasn't in place. So there wouldn't really be much of a backstory before he gets hit by lightning. It's crazy uh, how point. much of a huge, like, sea change that was to the Flash mm-hmm. mythos, like, kind of immediately. It was just like, as soon as a writer 
thinks of that though like elements like that it's just like it just i guess let me look at what happened it just clicks yeah and that's what it is and as conservative as you know comic book fans can be about and how you know cagey they are about their the properties they like if it if it work if it works like that then it's you know and if it if it if it uh you know, wins over that crowd and that fast is definitely something to it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think uh, it's, it's, it's interesting to sort of see the evolution of these characters, what they had, what they didn't and, and see like, okay, why did this part catch on? And I think the stuff with the flash was probably due to the fact that there wasn't really much of a, there wasn't that much of a backstory before he gets hit with hit by lightning, at least not much of a, backstory that people could like grab onto or relate to in some ways. And so it was kind of it's it's oh it felt like a unique thing to be this whole um you know, why does he become part of the police department as a forensic scientist? It's because, you know, murder was something that affected him when he was younger. And so it's kind of like his own Batman thing, but in a flash context where of course it's the reverse flash. It's not Joe Chill in an alley. You know, it's somebody who time traveled in order to do that. And that also kind of weirdly explains why it got added or changed in the comics is that now reverse flash has gone back in time and done it. And now it's become part of his origin. So yeah, uh, it, it works really well. It works well. Uh, so uh, in terms of the Shazam movie, the big villain of course is Savannah who does show up like midway through and starts fighting Billy in the comic. It's black Adam, but both of them have a similar first fight actually. Uh, there's a bus incident in both in the movie. It's because he accidentally hit the bus with his lightning powers and he ends up saving them. In the comic, Black Adam just throws a bus across town and destroys it. Um, and uh, in both, the villain scares Billy and ends up sending him flying into a department store past a Santa, because again, both stories are set around Christmas. And Billy ends up running away and says Shazam in order to get out of the area and escape because the villain has not seen him in his kid form yet. So... Uh, just goes to show he's not in hero mode yet. He has to grow into it. He's kind of a coward right now because he he didn't really sign up for any of this superhero business. He was given the powers. He wanted to use them, not use them very responsibly, and now he's forced to use them responsibly, responsibly because a big bad has showed up. Okay. So uh, the seven deadly sins do look more colorful, I got to say, in the comic, as we can see on the left compared to the right. Uh, but... I understand why they, they kind of went a little bit more traditional with what they look like, I think, in the Rock of Eternity in the movie. Because in, yeah. the, in the Rock of Eternity, they kind of have these, there are all these different creatures representing them, and I think uh, they wanted to sort of reimagine them as well in the New 52. But those designs did not stick in the same way. Uh, so in both the comics and the movie, Billy's foster siblings do find out his secret. In the comic, Freddy just tells, he just tells the others <laughs> Billy's secret. Uh, whereas in the movie, Darla is the only other one who finds out and sees Billy in his, you know, sort of Shazam outfit. And then Mary figures it out in front of the others and they kind of all collectively figure it out. So, uh, kind of a fun moment in the movie. And, uh, here's the part that I, uh, got wrong when telling Dan. So Billy does try to lead his foster siblings to the Rock of Eternity in the comic. However, they don't end up getting there. In the movie, they end up getting there. When okay, Savannah yeah. takes them there. So they do have some time at the Rock of Eternity, but in the comic, he only tries to take them there. 
Uh, so Dan corrected me on that one because I'm just like, show me a comic panel of them at the Rock of Eternity. And he's like, that that doesn't happen. I was like, whoops. <laughs> I know it does, Dan. <laughs> you fool. Just, just shows how it bleeds. The movie and the comic bleed together when it's like this close. It's not as like big of a difference uh, compared to like other ones in the past. So uh, let's see. There's also a comic character who was cut named Francesca, who is a magical being who kind of guides Billy and and is able to communicate to him through reflective surfaces. But I can see why they cut this character, because it's like, well, we've already got the wizard. So why do you need yet another guide through all this? Yeah, that, I could see why they cut that. Does anybody really want that character? Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. I don't know. It's, it, I, it's a fine edit. Yeah, especially because so much of this is like Billy learning responsibility and it seems more powerful, I think, in the movie when he doesn't have a guide. When he oh, has to, yeah. Yeah, he doesn't have an Obi-Wan type character being like, you should do this. Like, you should, you know, with doing the whole Spider-Man quote of with great power comes great responsibility. It's something he has to learn when fighting Savannah and realizing he cares about these people who are his foster family and he, he's going to do anything to protect them. And that's what grows him into a hero we didn't really need a mentor character for that. At most, we just needed the wizard to give him the powers. Right. Um, in both versions, Billy does try to use his own experience to appeal to the villain and make him change his heart, but obviously it doesn't work. Uh, and so both and both have a, basically a scene where the villains try to stop Billy from saying the word Shazam so he can't power up. Uh, in the comics, Black Adam just covers Billy's mouth to prevent him from saying it until Pedro hits him with a garbage truck. Uh, in the movie, Savannah does try to drown Billy at the Christmas festival, but then gets distracted by Mary, uh, you know, taking one of the guns from the festival. I think it's like a BB gun thing and uh, shooting him with it. So similar beat there. Uh, in both, the wizard hints at Shazam being able to share the power with the rest of his family, which inspires Billy to give the powers to the others at the end of the story, which was really cool, I thought. Um, yeah, that shit was, was awesome. That was it was a note... I mean, I kind of thought maybe I did remember this from the comic, actually. Mm -hmm. And like I this was not spoiled for me going in. So I was like wondering if they were going to do this and they fucking did. Yes. And so I was just like, oh, finally, like they just they didn't hold back in the third act. Like, mm -hmm. it, like, God, I was just so so glad they did this and like one of the guys says like Hadouken from <laughs> Street Fighter yes. and shit like that like it's just yeah. really great you know really great in the third act there so good yeah for sure I think uh, it's one of those things where they it's similar to Aquaman where they decided you know what we might maybe we'll get a sequel maybe we won't let's not save this for the sequel let's oh, just yeah. do it fucking no, do it that's it, like yeah, part of the original Aquaman, story anyway Aquaman had like there was another another Mark Bernard quote, but he was like, "That's a lot of movie in that movie. Like there was just <laughs> so much in that movie, dude." It's also one where they're like, "Okay, the the top Aquaman villains, Black Manta and Ocean Master, throw them in there. They're in it. Yeah. You know, like we're just balls to the wall. Everything's in there. If we get a sequel, great. If not, at least we threw everything we could." That's kind of what I felt when they Man. when they made this choice to do this. My only wish with the Shazam family is if we don't really have superhero names for any of them. Like in the traditional comics, Freddy becomes Captain Marvel Jr. And Mary becomes Mary Marvel. However, once they took away the Captain Marvel name, then it's kind of just like, all right, well, I guess Billy is Shazam, but he can't really say it or else he'll turn back into being Billy. 
and then the others are just themselves. Like I looked, I, I was at a store once and I saw that they had Funkos of the superhero versions of the characters. I'm like, oh, that's cool. And then it said, you know, it said like Eugene and Pedro. I'm like, oh yeah, they don't have superhero names. Yeah, it'd be kind of a cool scene if they kind of give themselves names in the movie. Yeah. You know? So I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see if they do that uh, as well. But uh, I, I can understand wanting to keep it simple, where it's just like, all right, we have all these characters. Maybe we don't throw, you know, every, not everybody has a double name uh, in this. So I could see the, the reason to simplify that. Oh, yeah. Uh, so... He basically saves all of them by giving them the power, especially because Black Adam and Savannah wanted the powers in the comic and the movie, but he gives them to his family instead so that they have the power to fight back, which is cool. And in the comic, not in the movie, Billy also gives some of his power to Tawny the Tiger at the zoo. Hell yeah, which you have to. Is to explain, you know, uh, Tawny's evolution into being the talking tiger, of course. Tawny's uh, character arc. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't have powers before, was a regular tiger, gets the powers. <laughs> That's all we care about. Uh, have they ever done, like, Comet, Crypto, Ace the Bat Hound? I guess they did Super Pets, the movie, but, like, I wonder if there's a run with all of the, those as well. Like, there's so many I'm pets sure. in the yeah, DC I'm sure universe. Is. Yeah. A lot of them for Superman, too. Jumpa. So. <laughs> yeah. I, I was reading... <laughs> I was reading Tom King's run for Batman, and there's a jumper reference too, where Wonder Woman's like, "I miss my kangaroo," and Batman's like, "What?" <laughs> that's Jumper, awesome. Her name is Jumper. <laughs> that is so. awesome, dude. You know, yeah. that's cool, dude. Like, there's a lot of, I mean, you know, horses show up a lot, you know, in, you know, properties kind of geared towards women and young girls, and. It, my point, what I'm trying to say is, it's cool that they didn't do a horse for once and they did a kangaroo. Oh, you yeah. Know? I think that's kind of cool. It's fun and <laughs> kind of more fantasy. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, for sure. Driven. Yeah. Maybe we'll see it in uh, the uh, the Paradise Lost <laughs> or some version of the kangaroos in the uh, the, the gun verse. That would be awesome, the, dude. Yeah, because we know that they're going to do some something. It's kind of a uh, prequel type thing with the Amazons in Paradise Lost. So I'm curious if they're going to have like you know this is where we started using the kangaroos you know as, as uh part of the mythology game of thrones and paradise lost basically is what they pitched it as mm -hmm. right yeah yeah gonna be cool uh yeah in the in the movie there's just a hint at the tiger where like there's a girl who's scared at the carnival and billy just gives her the plush tiger that was there which is the same type of plush tiger that he wanted when he was a kid mm -hmm. so that's kind of the nod to tawny um there, the comic has a bit that's not in the movie that I don't think was really necessary for the movie where Billy's not able to distribute the power very well among the siblings, so they start kind of losing the powers over time, leaving it to just him versus Black Adam. That might show up. That plot point might show up in this new one. I'm Yeah, I'm curious about that too. Yeah. Uh, and then in terms of the others, Eugene has electricity powers uh, in the movie, while in the comic he's able to communicate with anything running on electricity. So he, like, thanks a truck for breaking his fall. And the truck, like, responds. <laughs> it talks like Mater. <laughs> I don't think Oh, that... <laughs> man, you're welcome. <laughs> That'd be hilarious. Should... That's in part two. That's the Fury of the Gods. <laughs> oh, man. Be hilarious. So, uh... dude, real quick sidebar, but at Disneyland... <laughs> <laughs> so when you ride the Mater ride, like, you know, when they fucking... They have the, like, uh, safety precautions... 
Mm-hmm. Like it's it's literally that guy, Larry the Cable Guy, doing the precautions, and then they do it in Spanish too. And fucking Mater does it in Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Don de esta, y'all, or whatever. And it's, it's hilarious. It's, it's like they they got him to do the Spanish one too. Which <laughs> I is, wonder how weird that sounds to Spanish speakers. <laughs> I'm sure. I mean, the accent's got to be way off, but it's. I'm sure it's intelligible. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's sure comedic it's enough. Funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, that was I just, that was I really liked that. It was like the highlight of my <laughs> trip to <laughs> trip to Disneyland that time. It's amazing. Yeah. Uh, the only other difference here too is that uh, Freddie Freeman's superhero version has long blonde hair, as we can see uh, at the top. Oh but, uh, yeah, like a Thor yeah. type, like a Sentry. Like mm-hmm. uh, yeah, they okay. I get it. Yeah, but uh, everyone else still looks pretty true, you know. So Pedro still has the beard. Uh, and uh, Mary still has some form of the white cape. So it works. So these guys also, some of them or all of them are from Justice League Mortal, right? Uh, Yeah, so two of them are from Justice League Mortal. Uh, So Adam Brody, who plays the older version of Freddy, was going to be the Barry Allen Flash. In blue here. Yeah, in blue here. Uh, Yeah, and then uh, DJ Catrona, who plays Pedro, who's the one in green on the far left, uh, the buff dude here, is well, I guess they're all buff, uh, yeah. but uh, he was going to be Superman yes, in uh, Justice yes. League Mortal. So uh, I'm I'm curious to see more set picks that will inevitably leak leak out of because uh, at one point they all wore the suits, they all yeah 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 put them on, and I know that there's there's pictures out there and stuff uh, of of what they kind of what the costumes look like in, in test stuff, but some not all the actors were in the suits that day. You know, like there's in that shot of the Justice League. I think we've gone over it too in our in the unused bat suits episode. Like Superman's clearly not DJ Katrona in that. So like it, mm. it wasn't all the actors that day. So uh it's it's cool they got to end up playing these superhero roles. I'm sure it's not as like big of an upgrade as, you know, he went from Superman to playing Pedro in Suzanne. But it's still cool that they got a role in a DC superhero movie. And probably a bigger role in the next one. Yeah, I would expect so. So yeah. that, I think that's what I'm looking forward to the most in part two is because like the villains are like, it makes sense they're doing, okay, we're doing Greek gods as villains. It makes sense. It's just like, since they're not like villains in the comics, it's kind of tough to be jazzed about the, the villains. But what's cool is the Shazam family that's been set up at the end of the movie and seeing how are they going to work together in the second movie. I think that's the appeal for the second one, to me at least. Oh, for sure. shazam yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they, I haven't read it yet, but they did release a tie-in comic called Shazamly Matters. Yeah. As the, uh, uh, something that takes place in between the first and second movie. And I think some of the actors played a role in writing that comic. Oh, nice. I think Levi was involved, and I think uh, Ross Butler, who's, the, who's Eugene in the center here, uh, was involved in it. It might have been all of them uh, who played the uh, Shazam Shazamly in there but uh i haven't read it yet i'll check it out before we we do the review of the the second movie but oh uh, yeah i'm looking forward uh, to it man yeah it's pretty cool uh so both finales do require billy to trick the villain into losing his powers in the comic he tricks black adam into saying shazam making him go into teth adam form and then he dies uh it's it's inconsistent in terms of whether black adam turning into teth adam will kill him that's happened in Curse of Shazam, it happened in the Superman, um, you know, Superman versus Shazam movie, uh, or Black Adam movie. At, uh, in the 
regular comics before this, it was it would kind of just be like the Black Adam movie where he would just kind of turn into normal and he wouldn't like disintegrate because he's so old, like that type of thing. Um, it makes sense, but I think it just it depends on your interpretation and and it made sense for the Black Adam movie for him to be able to do that and not just immediately die when he does it because that's a major yeah. weakness. <laughs> they would need to take yeah take that out. I mean, also it would mean it would mean he has to permanently be changed. Mm-hmm. All the time, all the time. Uh, yeah. I do kind of like that weakness, but I, you know, I could, I see why they changed it for that movie. I just wish they made some yeah. more changes as well. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, then if they abided by that, that that was his one weakness, we would not have had a whole sequence where he gives himself up, only to get broken out five minutes later. <laughs> five minutes, dude. Don't bring, don't, don't remind me. That was, we, <laughs> all well, right. we had a Patreon about this. I think this is just. Oh my god, dude! It was a, you know, and the, like the episodes leading up to that in the, in the Patreon, I'm like so jazzed about the movie. <laughs> I thought it was going to be the Rock's best movie, and it's just such a letdown, man. I think I was expecting way too much. Yeah, I mean, again, like the the hype after the premiere was pretty high because people people were like, "This is great," and then like it came out. <laughs> These test so. screening test screening like news and shit, man. You just mm-hmm. can't you can't trust this shit, dude. Yeah, I think I read that there were test screenings for Suicide Squad that went really well. The first yeah, Suicide Squad, yeah, David yeah. Ayer, 2016, uh, that got butchered in the cut. And the test screenings for the first Wonder Woman were kind of like, eh, needs improvement. And yet, look at us now with those two movies. Dude, a lot changes in the editing room. I'll tell you that yeah. much. A lot. So, I, I don't know about the... I mean, test screenings for The Flash sound like it's great, but let's see what happens in June. And test screenings for Aquaman 2 sound like they're not so great, but again, they got time, and we don't know how accurate these are considering the track record here. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> we, we, uh, we have no idea. Yeah. Uh, in the movie, Billy does a similar thing of tricking Savannah. He mainly tricks the last sin inside Savannah's eye, uh, which is Envy, the sin that Savannah is uh, guilty of. And so he tricks Envy into coming out, rendering Savannah powerless. He no longer has the magic eye, but Billy still saves him. I think that was a pretty solid ending mm-hmm. uh, to their conflict there, especially because it's planted when Freddy throws the batarang at Savannah's head, and it, it reveals the weakness that when the, the sins are out, he's just an ordinary human. So mm-hmm. uh, that was pretty cool. And a good use of a batarang, Freddy. And uh, <laughs> finally, both have a hint towards the future when Savannah meets Mr. Mind. In the movie, it's in prison, while in the comic, it's at the Rock of Eternity. So hopefully Mr. Mind does show up in some form in Fury of the Gods. Doesn't seem like he's the main villain, but who knows? He's the mastermind behind everything. We'll, I would we'll love find it. out. I, I would love it. I mean, I <clears throat> this is not a spoiler because we have not seen the movie. We have no inside knowledge, but I'd love it if it turns out these are not actually the goddesses. These are illusions from Mr. Mind <laughs> the whole time. <laughs> Spoilers if we're right. <laughs> yeah, I mean that would be actually so great, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but some, some like many of the audience members would be like, "Who's this bug?" But yeah. <laughs> don't, Did don't worry you about see it. The mid-credit scene of the first movie. <laughs> they set it up years ago. <laughs> so I'd be if if that's the twist, I would love that. But uh, I don't know. We'll we'll have to see. Yeah, uh, for sure. When it comes to that, but yeah. <clears throat> Overall, I think Gaiden made the right choices for making Billy more likable, having more solid through line with the uh, storyline of trying to find the mom and, uh, you know, doing the right changes to Savannah, considering that I think 
I don't think it was a creative decision from the screenwriter's part to get, you know, to not have Black Adam in it. It was from, you know, obviously the producer, as we know, Dwayne Johnson wanted Black Adam to have his own movie. And now we've had both movies, for better or worse. So, yes. uh, <clears throat> what do you think from uh, from all of this? Do you, is there anything from the comic you think should have been left in there? Or do you think they pretty much made all the right calls? I mean, pretty much all the right calls... Uh, it would have been better maybe if Black Adam was in the movie. Yeah. Uh, you know that that would you know like 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 we said we only got we we have to act like we're only getting one. So let's put mm-hmm. all the all the good stuff in this first one. Just like so, Aquaman had had Orm and Black Manta. Yeah. So we could have probably had that, or you know even take out Sivana and I don't know. Yeah. I mean yeah, just have the two. <clears throat> uh, I like Sivana mm-hmm. too. Mark Strong's great. Seems like mm-hmm. a great guy too in real life, um, mm-hmm. and yeah, I, I don't know. Like, there's not. I mean, is there anything that you thought that was from the comic that should have been in the movie? Not really. Not that I can really think of that much. Maybe somebody else in the, the comment section will let us know. But just kind of going through all this. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Billy's more likable. Uh, Savannah stuff has a stronger motivation. Like, I mean, maybe Tawny. <laughs> Just yeah, that would have been cool. Actually, <laughs> that would have been cool. I, I, through, I think it would be Tawny. <laughs> the one one thing, and like I've got to say this gingerly too, uh, but when I watch the movie, there's like there's a there's a big emphasis on the family being Christian, right? And mm-hmm. uh, this is outside of the comic, of course, as as we both know. But like, I. It's not that big of a deal to me, and like I'm, I grew up Christian, my family is Christian, and all that. But like, what sticks out to me with when this kind of stuff is like Man of Steel's church scene. Like, I just know these execs are not Christian, bro. Like, or like they're not, <laughs> they're not like devout at the very least. Like, I, it just feels that kind of stuff sometimes in a big movie like this feels a little bit pandering, and that stuck out to me a little bit. But at the same time, it's. It wasn't that big of a deal. It's a positive. Uh, they're positive people. Uh, they're. It's a good representation. I get it. It's. It was just. I don't know. It just kind of stuck out to me a little bit, and I wondered why they did that. And so part of me tells me too that they did that so that they can kind of be like, "Hey, we have this magic Harry Potter stuff that we know right wing America doesn't like, <laughs> fundamentalist America doesn't like." But we do have this Christian background as well, guys. You know, like, I, I, it's just that, you know, does that anything I'm saying make sense? I, I can see that. But I, I think I'm, I'm looking at it from a, a writer's point of view where the, the grace, the scenes where they say grace are to tie into Billy's arc where he does not accept the family until the end where he does join in with them. And it's kind of tough to come up with a... Um, a, uh, a a non-religious tradition for him to join into that's at the dinner table before they eat. You know, like I get, yeah. maybe he would stretch it a little more, but it would also, it would also look like you are deliberately stretching stuff so that you aren't trying to do grace. It started, it almost looks like the opposite of what the, the pandering of it seeming like, okay, why are you working so hard for it to not be that? It's like in the movies where they're All just right. like, oh, let's sing our birthday song because they don't want to actually sing the actual happy birthday song. So they come up with their own weird-ass version of it. Oh, yeah. um, I think that went into public domain. 
I think yeah. the birthday song went to public domain eventually, but isn't that crazy yeah, that it before wasn't? that. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. Before that, it wasn't so like it seemed like very obvious that like we're trying to stray away from that, and so maybe they they're just like you know what like let's just let's just uh, do this, and it's part of part of Billy's arc, and and um, I don't think they really thought that much more of it. I think I mean obviously I think there's a lot more of a Christian um, symbolic type of meaning in the Man of Steel stuff when Jesus is literally behind Henry Cavill in the church scene. Yeah, I just like. <laughs> I think if, that's if, a little bit more pandering. If the author, I have to look this up, but if like the author like really loved, like is Christian or really loves that stuff, I, I feel like I'd accept it more. There just seems to be a little bit of like, like I know I read and I have to look this up, but maybe my memory's off too. I don't know, but mm-hmm. like I remember reading about Man of Steel, like them, like WB trying to uh, pass out Superman centric sermons two preachers in America. And that was like, the, like a sleazy way to sell man of steel when that was coming out, like marketing mm-hmm. in the church or something like it's just, it's like, it's part of WB's track record. And like, yeah. I, I was thinking that whenever I saw all that stuff in this and it was done better than man of steel and stuff like that. I didn't hear anything about sermons either mm-hmm. with, with Shazam, but I just, I don't know. It, I just wanted to say this is like, just to get it out there in my, mini Shazam review like that was Mm -hmm. one of the few it wasn't even negative it was just like oh okay I guess we're doing that you know that's just that Mm -hmm. that's just what I was thinking yeah because you're also you're so used to in big movies especially them trying to stay away from religion kind of at all costs Mm -hmm. just to not set them on your toes quadrants yeah yeah everybody Mm -hmm. like you know well I guess yeah I mean some they do some they don't but Mm -hmm. Uh, most times they don't, and so yeah, I don't know. It was just I, it, it, again, I think it, I really feel like they were trying to balance the wizard, the seven sins, the rock mm-hmm. of eternity. But we're not Harry Potter, y'all. We're mm-hmm. this is just comic book stuff. And look, Christian people here. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I it, it <clears throat> that's that's what I was feeling at the time. I if they lean into it even stronger in the second one, don't I? Not a big deal. I'm just noticing it that's it i'm just bringing mm-hmm. up that i noticed it that's all mm-hmm. i mean there's a, there's also the fact that uh it's a christmas movie but it's a little yeah. different cuz that's i mean christmas christmas has kind of been adopted as kind of just a general yes. general thing yes. uh so it, it's not like it's a bunch of santas it's not like there's a bunch of jesuses and crosses uh, in the <laughs> in the movie there is so. like a swath of christians too that sort of have dropped christmas because I mean that's that's not in the Bible, dude. Like, there's no mm-hmm. there's no like Christmas in the Bible. Like, there's mm-hmm. no real reason. It's it's again that whole like uh, where the the church tried to cover up a pagan holiday with mm-hmm. with a with a Christian holiday because right. it was the Yule and all that and probably other stuff too. I don't know. Correct me in the comments, but uh, the winter solstice and all that. So like. So that that's really where Christmas comes from. So like, yeah, like Chris, Chris, Christmas kind of is not a Christian holiday at the end of the day, and uh, and some and some Christians, rightfully so, you know, strictly speaking, uh, don't really have to <laughs> celebrate it. Strangely enough, um, 
Yeah. Anyway, that was a crazy sidebar. But anyway, Shazam. It, yeah, everybody. Shazam. <laughs> I, I like getting to these levels near, near the end of the episode, but uh, I guess that's it for my spiel. <laughs> Anybody who's checked out by now, <laughs> or I'll put I'll put it this way: if you're still with us, it's because you're fans of us anyway. So like, yeah, yeah. I think that's when the this is the time for the spiels. You didn't check but... out because it was not a Batman episode. That's good. <laughs> Glad you're still with us. We'll see how the views are like. We're still doing this. <laughs> Man, that's ca- I'm sorry about the Captain Planet episode, bro. <laughs> those, those views weren't so good. Some things need something. I mean, some wildcard episodes need to be done. Like I, I appreciate whenever it's one that's like, you know what? It's something different. And uh, also, in terms of Captain Planet, it was one I didn't need to prepare for. So, <laughs> yes. Yeah. From my end, I'm like, this is great, dude. I got so into the Captain Planet mythos for some reason. It was like, (laughs) I do, I would like to see somebody Alan Moore that shit, like stupidest character imaginable. All right, let's go to work, baby. We're gonna (laughs) fucking make the swamp thing Alan Moore out of this shit. You know, I would love to see that shit. Mm -hmm. For sure. So uh, yeah, check that out, the Captain Planet episode, if you haven't already. And until then, that is superhero stuff you should know. Big thanks to Dan for creating the visuals for the YouTube experience, as well as letting me know about uh, the fact that the kids don't end up at the Rock of Eternity in the, in the comic, <laughs> at least not in the Curse of Shazam storyline. Uh, moving further, uh, Tim Partridge on Twitter. We added this to our show notes on the interview of Tom Duffield, but I wanted to shout out to to Tim, as well as anybody who did not check out the show notes. Shame on you if you didn't. They had the exclusive photos there. But... Uh, Tim did find the walkway that Tom was describing, saying this matches the walkway doc described by Tom Duffield in the video at an hour and 18 minutes. And it's the shot where Penguin is taking off in the duck. So nice. this is this is the walkway that Tom Duffield got woken up in the middle of the night to uh, to paint up, <laughs> uh, according <laughs> I, to him. So I, well, You know what? Uh, we should have asked him about the the elevator in, kind of thing inside the duck. Remember Zach was talking about that? Like... The duck does. Remember the duck goes up to like up to the uh, mm-hmm. front the, in the middle of the sewer, and then he yeah. goes up the manhole, but mm-hmm. the duck doesn't. And he was like, "How does he do that?" And I was like, "Well, Zach, he's got a obviously he's got a little spring elevator inside <laughs> the duck." I, 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 I it's a missed opportunity, and we need to we need to have Duffield back on the show to cover just that. <laughs> Uh, we'll we'll bring him back for sure. We'll have Zach back yeah. on to ask him that specific question. He's just going to be like, what? Yeah. So, uh, all right. Thunder of the North Wind. I think this is the first comment that we've gotten from this user, but a good one. This is super weird. I'd heard about an, an 80s Flash script by Jeff Lowe, but never this one, the Jim Strain Flash script that we covered. Wonder if this was before or after. Uh, I believe, Thunder, that this was actually beforehand, but uh, mm-hmm. I've... Uh, at least when Super Void Cinema covered it, because they do a similar thing to us, uh, they they had the Jim Strain script before the Jeff Loeb script. I think I, I mean, I'll have to recheck. Watch me be completely wrong on this. Uh, but yeah, Jeff Loeb did write a script, and apparently Michael J. Fox was a possibility as Barry Allen at the time. Not uh, bad. For whatever that is, which is, which is a good choice, I think. Uh, I've been doing tons of research on DC film history, and I'd love to have been able to read this, but I'm not even up to the 80s yet. Wow. Uh, I'm still going nuts trying to track down the Norman Enfield draft of Superman that happened between Puzo and Newman slash Benton's era scripts. So this is a this is a new tidbit that I don't think we've covered before, that there was another writer named Norman Enfield who wrote 
uh, I guess, revisions on the Superman script in between Puzo and the Newmans and and Benton, who was not credited uh, except for late years later on IMDb. I think it's an additional script revisions for Norman okay. Enfield. So okay. this script is apparently floating out there. Don't really know what Enfield's contributions were. I'm sure there's probably something in there that started from him because there's obviously there are a lot of differences between Puzo's script and um, the final films. So mm-hmm. I'm sure there's probably one or two things from Enfield that uh, made it in that just weren't enough to credit him for the final thing. But thanks for bringing that up, Thunder. Mm-hmm. Thank you. And uh, yeah, that that it that that <laughs> is it. So oh, wow. <laughs> over one of the shoutouts. Oh man. Okay. All right. So we want to thank everybody here, of course, including the other supporters. But some of the more recent people will include. Renee V, Braxton W, Sean F, Decade VV, Bobby M, and Diamond or Damon. Uh, let us know if we pronounce that wrong or correctly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's it. And um, thank you again for the Shazam tutelage, Benatavius. And uh, we've told you about our friends, and we'd like you to do us uh, talky, tawny, filled f- flavor favor we want you to tell all your friends about us shazam indeed you're listening to the geekscape network 